Welcome back. I am your host, Paola, and this is Trending Talks, a podcast where we talk about current social political issues and other issues on our everyday lives. You can listen to us on iTunes and Spotify at Trending Talks Podcast, and you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Trending Talks TT. And if you like this podcast, please, please go onto iTunes and leave us a review. We're trying to reach a broader audience and it would really, really help a lot if you go and leave a comment. Um, that's the only way that iTunes would actually share the podcast for us with other audience. Um, so yeah, if you leave a comment or a review, a five-star review, four-star review, um, ideally, you know, um, or leave just a comment that would really mean a lot and it would help us a lot. So also spread the word, share this podcast with friends. If you like history and politics and social political issues, social issues, just share it. We really learned a lot in this episode. So yeah, go, go leave us a review. Okay. I'm gonna stop rambling now. Bye. Alright, so we're here today with Victoria Palma, fancy name, and we are going to be talking about her life as a Hispanic American and why she supports a specific candidate. Um, and this episode is coming out at the same time as Steak Fry is happening here in Iowa, so I thought it would be a perfect time to talk about this because election are around the corner. And we need to start thinking, who are we going to vote for? Why are we going to go vote for them? All that stuff. And I, you know, politics are happening so fast. And information is happening so, 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 so fast. That I, I don't have time to keep up with specifically everything from their campaign. So I like to hear people's point of view on why they support a specific candidate. Um, so hopefully this will be like a series where I start interviewing different people that support different candidates and I feel like that's going to be super interesting but it won't be all about Beto it'll be different things okay okay so this girl mm-hmm. let me tell you this girl she is the daughter of immigrants which she's very proud of by the way and she is a journalism and anthropology major which sounds super fancy and if you like her, which I don't know why you wouldn't, you can go follow her on Instagram at Victoria B. Palma. P-A-L-M-A. <laughs> on Instagram. Yes. Victoria, tell me, how are you today? How's it going? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me. <laughs> are you nervous? No. No? Are you sure? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay. This okay. is just how I always am. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm excited. I'm excited. This is going to be great. Okay, Victoria, so tell me. Tell me a little bit more about... The origin of everything. How did your parents come to the U.S. and why? Perfect. So, <laughs> hi everyone. Um, so, I'm half taco, half pupusa, which means my dad is from Mexico. And he migrated to the United States because he wanted a better life for himself. Um, he came here all by himself illegally. And he was in uh, California at first. 
And then my mom um, came to the United States with the same reasons, which I think a lot of people do have when they come to the United States. Um, but she actually um, was in the Civil War um, of El Salvador. She grew up there within all of that, when all of that was happening. So that really affected her life. Um, and it was just, El Salvador is actually one of the most dangerous countries right now. So she really wanted to escape the gang violence um, and everything like that. So that's why she um, moved to the United States as well. Um, and they both ended up in Iowa um, because of the work, basically. Um, there was a lot of work opportunities in the early 90s here, especially within agriculture. So both of my parents started working for Hormel, which is um, a, basically a meat company. I um, mean, they worked there for about like 18 years. Were they still technically illegal by the time they were hired? No. So okay. both of my parents, um, so they actually got amnesty through Ronald Reagan um, when they were living okay. in California. So that happened. Um, but my mom, I remember when my mom became a citizen, uh, it was when we lived here in Iowa. And I think I was around like, I think nine years old. And I remember the day that it happened because she was so happy and she just... It was the best day of her life. I remember her telling me that. And then a couple months ago, I actually asked my dad about how his went. Um, because it's those are the kinds of moments that you don't really think about. Mm -hmm. But you kind of just want to ask your parents that. Um, especially because it's such a big um, monument in someone's life. Especially running away from a really horrifying situation that you call home. And my dad said that he remembers crying when he um, stood up for the national anthem when he was when he got his citizenship That's so crazy. and yeah. how long did it take for them to get their citizenship because how long did it i feel take? like people underestimate the amount of time oh goodness well nowadays i think it can take like 10 to 15 years um it's a very extensive process as well as a very expensive process um it does take a lot of support so and i say support as in if someone comes to this country with nothing they don't have anyone, they don't have any money themselves, it becomes a much greater battle. I will say that my parents got very, very lucky when Ronald Reagan had the Amnesty Act. And since then, I don't believe like an opportunity like that has risen for our immigrants right now. Wow. Okay, that's, that's very interesting. Now, I want you to tell me, you were born and raised here in Iowa, mm -hmm. correct? Tell me about how your childhood was, growing in a very very white state <laughs> and you know you're like you're a kid of immigrant parents in your house they speak spanish mm -hmm. you're very surrounded by hispanic culture how did that affect your childhood the way you grew up and your interaction with other people outside of the home yeah for sure um so i grew up in a really small town here in iowa and we were actually the first hispanic family to move into the town um, so it was very taboo for us to go into an all-white community. And growing up, I will say I had a good childhood other than like a few things that would stick out as in like I remember specifically in kindergarten, like kids were really mean to me for no reason and they would call me a wetback and they would call me a lot of other things and we were just like six years old. So I always faced discrimination growing up. I think for the reasons that in like that environment that I lived in, I don't think people had the exposure of like cultural diversity at all. So I think that was one of the biggest um, things that impacted me growing up, but also the hard line of like, if anyone out there's ever watched like Selena, when like the dad is like, you wanna be like more white than the white people and you have to be more Hispanic than the Hispanic people to fit in when you're being like 
a Latin American person coming in, like coming into the United States. So that's all how like I always felt. But growing up mostly, I remember just wondering why I was so different the most. And I think that can be a really difficult thing for any immigrant family coming into the United States because you want your kids to get acclimated to the the way of life here, but you do not want to lose that Spanish. You don't want to lose that culture. Um and I think that's something that I struggled with the most. And I think a really great example of that for me would have been I lost my Spanish growing up. I only knew Spanish when I went into kindergarten and then I learned English and then because I didn't have anyone to talk Spanish with, I lost it for a little bit up until I was like in 3rd grade and that's when my dad was like, "No, like you need to learn Spanish because this is important." And how are you sp- to, like supposed to talk to your abuelita? She doesn't know English. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I want to ask you about that mm-hmm. because I feel like I've met a lot of Mexican American mm-hmm. that don't speak Spanish. Yeah. It's very common here. Why? Just I want I want to I know I've heard some reasons to why, mm-hmm. but I want to hear from like an actual person to tell me and to tell my audience why is it that some Latin American families, especially Central American and South American, don't teach their kids Spanish once they're here? Mm-hmm. So I think the biggest reason would be you just want to focus so much on getting your kid into the environment, trying to be normal. Um, and for me, it's just so, it was so hard um, because you want to be able to talk to your family in Spanish and you, like, you know what you look like, you know where your family comes from, but you're just not there. And I think for me, it was mostly like my parents pushing me to speak more Spanish, which, which is why I eventually like got it back. Thank goodness. And I still struggle with it sometimes. I think I stutter a few times and, but I'm still fluent and I can still understand it. But I've seen so many cases and it's so evident here, like especially in the Midwest, because, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't have anyone to speak to. And for the longest time growing up, I didn't sit in a classroom with a person of color until I was like in 10th grade, 11th grade. So the cultural diversity and the diversity in general here is so low that you feel like such an outsider if you do speak Spanish or if you do look different. Um... But I even encourage, like, I've talked to a lot of my friends who are Hispanic and they don't speak Spanish. They always say, oh, like, I wish I would have spoke Spanish. Like, I really wish I would have learned. And I was like, you still can. Um, Even though you didn't learn it when you were younger, I Mm -hmm. highly encourage anyone to do it anyways. um, Because you don't want to lose that. And it's so important for us to always remember where we come from. Because there's a reason um, why our parents came to the United States. But we can, we should never forget that. Yeah, I've... Definitely. Every person that is Hispanic and that I've met now in their, like, grown-up adult life mm-hmm. and they don't speak Spanish, they deeply regret it. They're like, yeah. man, I wish I knew. Because the, the older you get, the harder, to, the harder it is to learn it. Right. It's not impossible. It's just your brain's not, won't absorb it that yeah. easily. But I've met, I can't even tell you, and it's not even in the Mexican community, I've met Puerto Rican people. That they identify as Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. Like, I see them on my report and go, oh my god, I'm Puerto Rican too. And then, <laughs> then I, I started talking Spanish to them. And they're like, oh, but I don't know Spanish. Yep. And I'm like, what a sad excuse for a Puerto Rican, man. <laughs> We're not even trying to learn it. It's what? super awkward, You got too. me so excited. <laughs> right, because I'm like, oh. And then I don't want to be rude. But, but at the same time, you know. Anyway, 
my question for you is I have met a lot of immigrant that clearly they're not white. Mm -hmm. And when I ask someone where they're from, they don't tell me what their ethnicity is. They tell me the state they were born in or the state they live in. I think most of the time it might be from other encounters that just um, kind of influences them to do that. Um, Usually because when I was growing up, no one, when someone asked me where I was from, um, I don't think they had any intentions of asking me where I'm actually from, where my family's from. I think it's where more as, oh, like I'm from Murray, Iowa or something like that. But I think also it's because you kind of want to try to identify as much as you can to where you live right now, whereas where your family has been and where you come from. Um, but personally, I usually try to say, well, I'm from Iowa, but my family is from, because I feel like yes. that's such an important part to my identity um, because I'm so proud to be Hispanic and I don't want that to die down. And I think because I spent so much of my time growing up being suppressed that I didn't, I feel like I can't do that to myself anymore and I can't do that for my people anymore. That's really interesting to hear because I do feel like this is a result of fear. Mm-hmm. Like people are so scared of being attacked Oh yeah, by anyone when they say out loud, where they're from and it's the saddest thing I could ever imagine like they're forcing you to hide who you are just for the comfort of their of yeah the American people I think you know it's it's and it's just because they get uncomfortable yep I don't get uncomfortable yeah if there's like a Mexican, a Salvadorian, a Guatemalan, a Cuban in one room. I am not uncomfortable. A black, a Chinese, an Indian. I'm like, normal, cool, people of color. Right. Sometimes I get uncomfortable when a white person's in the room because I am terrified that I'm going to say something that ticks them off. I think the most thing that makes me uncomfortable when I'm talking in like a group of people and there's a white person in there is like, I never want someone to feel excluded from the situation. Um, But I think it's just because white people have always had like, usually like this bubble of like comfort. And nowadays when we're talking more about immigration, where our families come from, why are we here? Why it's so important that we're here? Mm -hmm. um, They just get so uncomfortable because they've spent so much of their time and history suppressing us as well as not talking about us being here. Yeah. That it's just such an uncomfortable state because we don't talk about it enough. Right. Um, but yeah, I just think that's... Personally, I think that's why and that's what I've encountered in the past. No, that's that's a reasonable why. <laughs> I just... You know, it, it's something that I notice because mm-hmm. I'm Hispanic and like I can clearly tell when someone's like from the Hispanic community but they don't want to tell me and I'm like, mm. why are you <laughs> hiding it from me? I want to be your friend. (laughs) So I do. I like the inside. I like to understand these things. That was great. Okay. Now I want to talk about Beto. Yes. Why? What is it about him? What was the first thing that you were like, this is the man I'm going to support. This is the man I'm going to vote for. This is the person I want to rule the country. All right. Perfect. Well, I will give you, I'll give y'all my Beto testimony. This is my Beto testimony. So the very first time I heard of Beto was, of course, when he was in Texas and he um, lost, I can't remember what he was running for, actually. 
he was running for something and he got so close to being to winning and he didn't um but the fact that he got so close in a red state really brought my attention to him but then that was around like last year and then he actually had the opportunity to come onto campus when he um had officially said that he was running for president. And before that, um, I've met a lot of candidates. Um, I've met Elizabeth Warren, I've met Bernie, I've met a few other candidates. And, you know, someone sticks out to you. When someone sticks out to you, I think when you hear what they're talking about and what they're advocating for, it's all of your struggles and what you want to see change in the future. Yeah. Um, and when I met him here in Ames uh, last spring, something that really brought my attention to him is how he spoke about climate change um, as well as immigration. And my top three three things right now that I'm really focused on is gun control, immigration, and climate change. Um, and for him to focus on those things right off the bat and not to be, he didn't avoid our questions either as students. Um, so that's something that I really found really interesting about him. So that kind of grabbed my attention. And I was pretty neutral for a while and then came summer and I actually got a call from someone uh, Sandy, hi. Um, I got Hello, Sandy. Hi, Sandy. Um, I got a call from Sandy, and she was like, "Hey, like, I see that you're registered to vote. Um, who are you thinking of?" And I was like, "Well, a few people." She's like, "Well, if you're interested, you can just come in. We can talk about it." And I think every single I wanted to like give a shout out to like all the political organizers out there because mm-hmm. everything that they're doing right now is to make a change they work really hard. they do work mm-hmm. very very hard and i honestly think if it weren't for that phone call i might not be better right now honestly um but because of that phone call i got more educated and i just you know you got to start thinking about it now because it's just one of those things where i was like i want to see change so bad but wanting change isn't good enough anymore you have to be the change and that's how i felt and i got more into him and started like paying more attention to politics, just social media in general, Twitter. Um, our president's on there a few times a day, um, so I <laughs> like to pay attention to that. Only reason I follow him, <laughs> I was I was so against following him. Yeah, and then I was like, I kind of he comes know up what's anyways. happening though, so I kind of have to follow him. Right. So I did against my will, but it's okay. Yeah. So I, I did that, and then. Um, I think his immigration is what really got me the most because um, because I'm a citizen here, um, I feel like my vote is so important, um, not only for myself, but I feel like I need to represent the people who are like me that can't. Uh, for example, I do have a, like a lot of friends who are DACA students um, and they're just as American as me and everything that they've been going through, I feel like I need to represent them in ways that they can't for themselves. So when he talked about immigration and he's lived in Texas for a long time, um, he's been working down there. His he's, whole life, hasn't His he? whole life. Yeah. And he's done changes down there that for immigrants that I love. And I just really feel like we need someone who cares about not only Americans, but people who are here in this country regardless. So that's really what grabbed my attention the most. And that's why I committed to caucusing as well as possibly voting for him because I really do believe that he can make a change and it will be under him and um essentially I'm pretty hyped for it I really like him he's we're gonna go to the steak fry tomorrow Mm -hmm. gonna have a great time and just being politically engaged is so much fun because um you know 
you might not realize how much of important time it is right now, but this is probably going to be one of the biggest elections that we will witness. Yeah. Um, and also for being so young and being involved is so important as well because I honestly think not enough people our age know the capacity of what they can do to make a change. So that's personally why I committed to caucusing for Beto. I've committed to volunteering for the campaign here in Ames. Um, it's been such a great time just like talking to people just in general trying to get people to vote is so important too I can't tell you how many times people have told me their vote doesn't count and I almost like I literally want to die when they say I know. that <laughs> I always tell them honey there's a million people like you that say yes. my vote does not count if that million people decide to go out and vote it's a million votes exactly like I don't understand why everybody my mother's like that Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, oh, it's just me. My vote's not going to be enough. No, no, it it's matters. not you. It's not just you. Yeah. It's millions. Because it's not even hundreds. It's millions mm-hmm. of you who are, like, only 40-something percent of Americans actually go yep, out to vote. Exactly. And actually... And guess who they are. Baby boomers. And that's the problem of not getting enough young voters. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to who is president the only people that we have to blame is ourselves because we yep. definitely could have done much more yep um my family yeah, yeah. Um, my family begged me to um vote in puerto rico because if i vote in puerto rico i can't vote here because mm. it counts as a double vote interesting i know stupid point is i sacrificed the vote on my own freaking country to try and prevent the travesty that we've been living this past three years. It kind of counted because we, you know, Hillary kind of won by popular vote. But then the Electoral College just decided to not care about that. Right. Um, point is, voting is important even though you don't think it's important because it just gives me or you or whoever mm-hmm. the assurance of feeling like you did something. Right. And- like, I don't want to feel... Like, Trump won, and then I'm like, dang it, I didn't even try. Mm-hmm. And then it just gives you, like, a, this sense of guilt. When I think, when people always, like, if anyone says that to me, well, my vote doesn't matter, I just hit them with the straight history facts. Um, I studied MLK for, like, two years, so Ooh, I'm just like... Hit me. I'm just like, Martin Luther King, he worked so hard to get um, African Americans to vote. And to get for women to be able to vote, it's such an important privilege that you're taking so for granted. And there's so many people out there that aren't able to. And I think that kills me the most, too, because we can. That's that's our duty as a citizen. Like, we don't have a lot of duties, guys, and opportunities to, like, have a say in politics. But you do here. Like, just get out, register to vote. It takes, like, five seconds to register to vote. Mm-hmm. Like, do your thing. Yeah. And once you register once, you register forever. I don't, yeah. I don't get it. Exactly. I don't get why people think it's so hard, especially if you're a college student. Listen to me, guys. Usually, colleges will have voting stations. Mm-hmm. Like, here in ISU, they have voting stations at the Memorial Union and because it's approved and whatever. I don't know how that things works. But you just go. You literally go <laughs> to campus, take a bus in the middle of a class, like between classes, go vote, and then go back to class. Yep. It doesn't take much, you guys. Y'all need to vote. You get a cool sticker, too. Yes, you do get a sticker. We Everybody loves stickers. Okay, so 
I want to ask you about gun violence. You mentioned it. Mm-hmm. That, you know, you're happy that Beto, Beto sticks up for it. Like, that's one of his main issues that he wants to tackle. How has, as a citizen, how has all the shootings that have happened this year made you feel? Like, mm. just tell me from your point of view, because I feel like my audience already listened to my point of view, and I want other yeah. people's. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, let's think. I'm trying to remember... I think the very first um, mass shooting that probably comes to mind is Sandy Hook. Um, And I remember that day so well. And it's just kind of one of those things in history where you'll like, for example, like 9-11, everyone remembers what they were doing that day. I definitely remember that day very well. And I think I was like in seventh or eighth grade. I can't remember. But I remember when it happened, people, it grabbed the attention of people because they, those kids were so young and when I thought about it, I was like, wow, like another mass shooting. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, 30-some first graders and kindergartners is not okay with me. Um, and that kind of grabbed my attention, especially like living in Iowa, where people definitely have guns. Um, I hmm. think a lot of homes here have guns either way. Um, so a lot of people have different views on whether or not um, AR-15s should be able to be in a home but I remember that happening and it kind of grabbed my attention um, but it kind of also grabbed my attention the fact that nothing changed after that um, you know what else is really going to change for, for like a country you know seeing 30 like five-year-olds die from a gun like that um, that kind of really opened my eyes to the issue as well and then I think probably one of the more recent ones is Stoneman Douglas. Um, I went to school my first year in North Carolina, so I had a friend from Florida. And that really opened my eyes, too, because they're schools. These are all schools. And I shouldn't be afraid to go to class, you know? Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't be afraid to go see a movie with my friends. And when it came to a point, also, I remember in high school, my dad was like, always make sure to see the exits that's kind of a red flag for me. And for a country where we pride ourselves on safety as well as being free, I think safety should come first. Yep. Um, personally, anyways. Some people think that the right to carry a gun is more important than your freedom to live. Um, than so, your right to live. Yeah, exactly. So when Beto... Um, a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. he talked oh, yeah. about, um, he had that great moment when he said, hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15s. Um, that really, like, spoke to me in a sense that he wants change. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of other candidates talk about it too, but not as openly and as demanding as he is. Because this is an emergency, I think. Because for the United States to have so many mass shootings that we don't even hear about every single one that's a problem. And I saw my grandma over the summer and she's in Mexico and she was like, are you not scared? And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, people literally just shoot up places in Los Estados Unidos. And I was like, you know, I can't say no, grandma, I'm not scared because I am. We, Mm -hmm. We go to a public university and it's very worrisome at the fact that we don't have more precautions to make it stop. And for it to be happening since Columbine, I don't know how, like 20 some years, Mm -hmm. it's so scary. 
And I'm not saying I support taking every single gun away, but the ones that were literally designed to kill someone on a battlefield, I'm not okay with that. Mm -hmm. And I really am scared that people have those. Um, So personally, I 100% support what he's trying to do on that because it's not for just the safety of a few people. It's literally for everyone's safety. Exactly. I Bernie came to campus a couple of weeks ago, and they invited me, and I was like, oh, yeah, I, I, I went. Mm-hmm. But I told my family that I was going to go, and my aunt said, be careful, because mm-hmm. that's a perfect scenario for a crazy, um, not Bernie supporter, Yeah. to just go and shoot all you liberals <laughs> in a confined space. Right. And that made me be terrified the whole day. And I completely agree. You shouldn't be afraid. When the shooting happened in Texas... Um, Beto immediately went there and mm-hmm. he was very, uh, tentative to like the issue that was happening, which I really liked. Um, he was the only, like only candidate that did, but I think that's because it happened in his state and it was a direct attack on immigrants as yeah. well, which is terrifying. Um, it's some, it's one thing to attack us verbally and harassing you in a sense, but it's another to deliberately try to kill you. And I think that's so scary. And for him to address it as well as go down there and talk to the people, um, I just think that was very presidential of him. Yeah. And it showed that he doesn't run away from our problems as well. Um, And he just wants to tackle them head on, which I really like because I feel like the president that we have now shies away from every little inconvenience that is what we're having right now, which can be so stressful and... I just feel like he's not working for the American people. He's just trying to work for himself. And that's just like something that really came to mind as well. And what I really praise Beto about is how he handled the situation when he didn't have to do that. I agree. I am. I was really proud. Even though I was like, at the time, I didn't really like know much about Beto or anything. I was like, someone's addressing it. And when I saw what... <laughs> When Trump went, he took the opportunity to thank them for voting for him and supporting him. And, like, he made it all about himself mm-hmm. and not about the people that died. <laughs> he got to help hold the baby of the mom that died protecting the baby. Mm-hmm. And he was still making it about himself and, like, how big his rallies were and how much support he got on Texas. and mm-hmm. And I'm like... You're literally holding a kid that's an orphan right now because his mother died because of Tracy's supporter of yours killed her. And you're not addressing that at all? Yep. That bothers me. I agree. It was a lot. It was. And some of the things I think, too, that he does is just so unbelievable that I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. it really be like that, Why, like right now. <laughs> I I can't believe it. It's like I wake up and I'm in a constant nightmare. I agree. It's like every time I like to put my makeup on and then I put my YouTube and I like to see like the little short clips of Jimmy Fallon and um, Stephen Colbert and um, Trevor Noah. And it's all about Trump. Yep. Because he manages to do something new every day. And it's not even productive. <laughs> that it's, oh my God, no. It's it's like, we're on the verge of war right now, and it's because of his mouth. And his, yep. like, 
unethical attitude and ideas and just everything. It's just not good, guys. Not good. It's like I was watching an interview off... It was Michelle Obama. No, it was... um. Michelle Obama's and the Obama speech writer mm-hmm. and he said Obama they always saw the presidency as someone they need to show people how to act they're a role model to follow and that's why the Obamas say whatever you want about their policies or whatever that's not the point the point is they were always super proper mm-hmm. super like not not even politically correct they were just like an example to follow like that's mm-hmm. like i want to be like them right like i want to be charismatic yet serious at the same time and i want to be um respectful of everybody and i want to interact with children but i want to be humble at the same time like i feel like the obamas represented all of that mm-hmm. and whether you like the obamas or not he still represented like a good person i miss him a lot. Like, he, he didn't... <laughs> I know, he didn't rile up anybody or fuel anybody of hate. Like, he mm-hmm. didn't throw more, like, gasoline to the fire of be like, yeah. yeah, you hate Mexicans? Go for it. They're awful. Yeah. He never did anything like that. Versus now we have a man that his, the base for his campaign is hate. And every time he types something on Twitter or every time he has a press conference, it's just attacking Mexicans, attacking women, attacking any person of color. And it's basically giving anybody permission to do whatever they want with other people. Mm-hmm. And that's what I don't, I, I don't stand for that. I agree. I feel like we. I had a little hope. I was like, well, maybe he's kind of stupid, but, like, maybe it'll tone down once he's president. And, like, you know, they'll control him. And he'll mm-hmm. just be, like, a face that we just have to deal with until the next elections. No. He's brought so much hate. I just... Mm, needs to go. I Bye. Agree. Canceled. <laughs> Bye, sister. All of it. He needs to go. <sighs> okay. I had a question. I had a question. I, I remembered them. Okay. Um... What is your, not your opinion, because, like, we kind of know your opinion, but tell me about how you feel about the concentration camps, <laughs> like the border, custodial, whatever, mm-hmm. what are those called? Okay, just, I don't, it all, all that <laughs> comes to mind. What are they called? Uh, Prison, holding? basically. Yeah, um, just holding centers, like, cube, whatever, handmade stale looking place. Yeah. All of that. Um you as Salvadorian Mexican, what does your family say about that? What do you like? What is like? Do, do you talk about it at home? Like, what what is it? Like, you know, right? Because I'll never understand it because they don't have Puerto Ricans there because mm-hmm. that'll be even more illegal <laughs> than what they're doing right now. Yes, um, but it still affects me in a way that these are at the end of the day my people. Mm-hmm. Like. It's like having a sibling, you know? And it's like Mexicans and Puerto Rico. We can say whatever we want about each other because yeah. it's like your sibling. But like no one else can come say bad things about them. It's like, no, 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 no. You don't have the right. It's like, I can't. Because we, we have a nonverbal agreement. Mm-hmm. You can't. So it's, it's different. The way I talk about it, my point of view is different than yours. And I want to know yours. 
Okay, so first of all, I will say it's heartbreaking for me um, because, like you said, it's my people. Um, but I think it's number like number two. It's disturbing um, that any human being would be treated that way, the way that they are being treated. Um, they already face people like us already face like discrimination in other ways. Um, but to see how they're being held in basically concentration camps, it just hurts a lot. And also you kind of, personally, I asked myself, like, what can I do? Like, is there anything that I can do other than trying to talk more about it or try to get more people like to understand what is literally happening at our border? Vote. Um, yeah, vote literally. But, um, it's just, it really hurts. And seeing and hearing the stories the most, like, children dying under the U.S. government's, um, what's the word for it? Their possession? No. Mm-hmm. Is their it custody. Custody, that's the word, custody. Um, but under their custody, under oh. our custody, mm-hmm. it sucks. And for people to be there for, you know, they're being held for long periods of time and not even going home. They're staying there and being underrepresented also really, really sucks. Um, But not enough people are talking about it. And it'll come in, like, moments where, like, something will happen. And then it'll come up in social media, but then it dies down. And I really wish um, media worked differently where that didn't happen. But that's just how news works. Um, But I really wish people wouldn't forget about it. I know I don't forget about it. Um... But it's just really, really heartbreaking to know that there are thousands of people basically in a prison being malnourished, being mistreated, and being harassed every single day. And they don't even get a say as to when they can go home. They don't even know what the next day holds for them. And I think that's something that we kind of take for granted being here. But for them to be treated that way, it's awful. And it's not okay, but most of all, it's not humane. And for the president to be, he completely disregards what is happening, um, as well as he makes jokes about it, it's awful. And I can't believe, you know, one day we're going to look back at this and you're going to think, wow, we didn't talk about this enough, you know? And we are going to look back at this and that's exactly how we're going to think about it. And I think more people need to talk more about it. And I don't know about you, but like, I actually didn't talk to my parents about it at all. Like, they didn't really bring it up that much. Um, I think that might be because in any kind of situation, my parents are just so grateful for where they are right now that they, I mean, I'm sure they feel awful for what's happening, but they feel pretty hopeless in the sense that they can't do anything. So there's not really a lot to talk about. Um, But for me, being, you know, their daughter, it's just like, wow. I really wish there was something that I could do because when I see those people, you know, and it's just so heartbreaking that I just keep saying that because it really does hurt a lot. Um, But specifically, like over the summer when there was that photo released of the father and daughter crossing the Rio Grande, like facing down, I was in Mexico at the time, excuse me, and it had um, ran on the front page of a newspaper that we got that morning at the market. And I saw that. And, 
you know, you know immigration is happening all the time. You know that people are illegally trying to flee from what they're trying to run from. But when I saw that picture, I saw a life that could have been mine immediately. And I think that's what's different between, you know, um, the daughter of an immigrant like me, whereas like um, a person who has, you know, white parents who are a different race who have been here Mm -hmm. in the United States. Because when I think about situations like that, I'm like, wow, that's a life that could have been mine. Um, It's a life that people are living, kids are living every single day. And I have, I'm just so blessed to be able to like go to school and to be here legally, which is something that we take for granted a lot. But when it comes to like thinking about what people are like going through, it just really sucks because you feel like you can't do a lot, which again, like that's why I'm trying to help with the campaign as much as I can, because I'm trying to do what I can for people who can't do anything for themselves. And I think, and I highly encourage like anyone, if anyone is listening to this that has even like the slightest like interest in any candidate, you can volunteer for any political campaign and not say, I'm going to vote for this person. I'm going to caucus for you. You don't have to commit to anyone. You can just help in general. And that goes a very long ways. Mm -hmm. And through that process, you will learn so much about yourself, about the candidates and about people in your area and what they need the most. Um, specifically here in Ames, you know? So I think that's basically it. Like, we need change. Yeah. So be the change. I agree. I I feel like it's something that it's so easy to forget Mm -hmm. because it's not on the media enough. And it's also easy to forget because there's so many things happening every day that you just, it's easier to disassociate than to acknowledge it every single day. Because if I were to acknowledge this every single day, I will not leave my house. Yep. It's it's sad to live right now. (laughs) It's sad to be in the United States right now. I don't know how y'all feel, but it is one of the saddest moments in U.S. history. Because people don't like to see it this way, and I'm going to get so much crap from what I'm about to say. But... One, they're suffering in there right now. As we speak, there's hundreds and hundreds of immigrants held at the border without, not sanitary conditions. They don't have soap. They don't have water. They don't have nothing. They don't have legal representation. They're making kids represent themselves in court. And this is so, 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 so similar to Nazi Germany that it's, I cannot fathom it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying it's exactly the same. And I'm not comparing it to the Jews. Like, don't come at me for that. Okay? A lot of people get super insulted when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez mentioned that it was a concentration camp. It's like, how dare you make fun of Jews in Germany? And I'm like, why does it insult you? Why do you, Why does it... Why is it so indignating to think about the Jews in Germany suffering... But it's not, it doesn't make you feel bad that Hispanics are going through basically the same thing. Mm -hmm. They're being numbered. They're being numbered. They're being deprived. They're being taken out of their, like, taken out of the environment and put in a camp. Families are being separated. Like, it's not different, guys. It's... There are a lot of similar... It's 50 years later, Mm -hmm. but it's the same thing. 
Yeah. I'm going to get so much crap for what <laughs> I just said. But I don't take it back. Like, it's a government abusing a group of people that are just trying to live. Yep. Mic drop. <laughs> I won't drop it because I pay for it. But Cool. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so what... Going back to Beto, you're way more involved than I am. What does he say about this? Like, I know he stands for immigrants, Mm -hmm. but more specifically, like, what is his plan? Because I know they all have a plan. But what is his plan on this issue? His plan on this issue specifically, I'm not going to lie, I don't know it specifically. Okay. Um, But I do know that he has gone to visit the camps quote camps i know people just started calling them camps now because they quite literally are they look Um, like it anyway yeah but he has gone to visit the people and i know that he feels strongly about it because our immigration system and that's what it comes back to is so broken Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. broken in so many ways and i think when it comes to this issue it kind of more gets redirected to his immigration plan which is to make the pathway to citizenship so much easier than what it is right now because it should not take thousands of dollars as well as a couple of years to become a citizen as well as um yeah like it just should not take that long and i think he believes in that as well as just you know the kind of conditions that they're in is just inhumane so that would probably try to change as well but I'm sure he feels very strongly about it. And, I mean, if he definitely cares about immigrants. And personally, from what I've seen, like, met other candidates, I feel like he cares the most out of everyone about immigration because, of course, he's from Texas. He knows people. He knows the way of life. He might understand it more than what other candidates do at the time other than, um, what's his name? I can't remember his name. Which one? <laughs> Um, Castro. Julian Castro. Oh. Um, you know, he's kind of irrelevant in my book. I agree, too, because he I'm doesn't like, even talk about immigration as much as what I would like him to. I'm like, you have a Hispanic name, and that's all you got, man. Yep. I don't even know where you're from. <laughs> like, I... So, I think he cares the most. I think he advocates the most for immigrants. But for his specific plan, I don't know off the top of my head. But if you go to betterforamerica.com. Let's check it out. Yeah, look it up, look it up. Okay, so we um, we just looked up that Beto for America <laughs> because I want, I want to share this. I agree. So his plan, if you go to his website and then you hit plans and then you can see all the plans. Every time I say plans, it just reminds me of Elizabeth Warren. I have a plan. <laughs> um, okay, so the issue for immigration, um, specifically asylum, asylum system, which I feel like it's one of the most relevant... Um, says, and I quote, reciting the current administration's executive orders to seek to maximize detention and deportation, ending family separation at the border and illegal policies like metering and remain in Mexico. Wow. <laughs> Ensuring that no one fleeing persecution is prosecuted for crossing our border because asylum is legal. Um, and upgrading and increasing staffing in the asylum asylum system, which will, in turn, streamline how cases move through the process and provide timely and fair asylum decisions. I'm snapping. Snap, snap, snap. 
that's what the website says that Beto wants to do with immigration. And I feel like it's quite realistic what he's saying right now, like increasing staffing, like staffing and just having a more, just fixing the system. I do like what it says. So um, if that counts for anything, if you guys want to know more, you can always go to his website and you can read their policies. You can do that for every candidate. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to read to you guys word by word what it said on that aspect. Victoria, this has been great. I, I feel like... I had a great time, not gonna lie. It is fun, isn't it? It is. Just talking. Yeah. It's fun. I don't have fun editing, though. That's, oh, yeah. Y'all might... have... You guys have all the fun, and I have to edit. <laughs> um, no, it's really fun, and I feel like the amount of insight that you got, have given us has been so valuable, because I don't think I've had, like, the daughter of an immigrant mm-hmm. on my podcast, or the son of an immigrant, or whatever, like... My previous interviewee, he was pure Mexican. He came here for a student visa. Like, it's a different path. I'm mm-hmm. saying it was easier. It was just different. Um, and I feel like your insight was very valuable. I appreciate you being here. And I appreciate all you're doing for standing up for your community and standing up for what you believe in. You're very outspoken, very sassy. I don't like Thanks. that. <laughs> um, so, yes. Um Anything else you would like to say? This is your floor is yours. Cool. Well, thank you so much for having me. I had a really great time. I've never been on a podcast, so it's lit. This is my debut. Um, <laughs> Being discovered. Yes, this is where I am discovered. Um, but also, I just want to let everyone know, like, like I said before, if you are interested in any campaign, just go out and do it. Um, and it may or may not be you know, your favorite experience ever, but I think it's, um, a very big learning experience that I think everyone should go into. Um, but fight for what you believe in, because if you don't, no one will. And I think that's why, um, something that motivates me the most is, you know, you got to be the change, not just want it. So that's what I'm trying to do here. Clap, 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 clap. <laughs> Little at a time, <laughs> but together we can like, I don't know. We can make this so much better, y'all. Yeah. Like, it'll get so much better over time. And I hope so. that's just what can happen when you put yourself out there and when you go out of your comfort zone and do podcasts with great people. Yay! Podcasts <laughs> are great. I don't have time to watch I TV love anymore. them. Um, so, yeah, guys, you can go follow Victoria at Victoria B. Palma. I'm sure she's very active on Instagram, <laughs> unlike myself. I am sorry for that. I'm just not tech savvy. And you can go follow Trending Talks at Instagram and Twitter at, at Trending Talks TT. Um, you can email us at Trending Talks Podcast at gmail.com. You can listen to us practically everywhere. And. Please, please, please go leave a review on iTunes or whatever media you listen to. It helps a lot. Um, tell other people that like have your similar likings to say, hey, hey, this person likes this podcast. You might like it too. So it just helps a lot. Just, just, just leave a five star review. You don't even have to write much, but it would be nice if you do write like they're so <laughs> nice, so sweet. Mm. Um, yeah, and that's all, you guys. Thank you so much for listening and. Keep an eye out for new stuff coming, hopefully very soon, and I'll see you next time. Bye! Bye!